0: Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction, a discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, The Lost Town of Trockenbrod. This month marks the 70th anniversary of the end of the largest war in human history. World War II lived up to its name for being a war truly global in scale with its effects felt on nearly every continent of the earth. As with any war, there was great tragedy, great triumph, stories of heroism, stories of cowardice. And because of the size of the conflict, all those various extremes were magnified, sometimes to a grotesque degree. Today we're going to look at a particularly dark chapter of World War II, the story of the lost town of Trockenbrod. The book which we're primarily going to refer to today tells the story of that town from beginning to end, and is called The Heavens Are Empty, Discovering the Lost Town of Trochenbrod, by Avram Ben David Vall. The author first began his work basically informally, because his father came from Trochenbrod. His father, however, never really discussed the town or life there. After his father had passed away, Avram decided that he would find out more about his father's town and so in 1997 decided to pay a visit to what is now Ukraine. He managed to find the site of the town, and from then on he was hooked. He proceeded to conduct research at any number of institutions, including the Library of Congress, and also traveled around the globe to interview people who were survivors or former residents and get their accounts firsthand. Being the late 1990s and the early years of this century, he was really up against the clock, because the number of people who had actually lived or witnessed Trochenbrod was dwindling with each passing year. He managed to do so and compiled this book, which tells the story of this town. Trockenbroad is considered to be unique among towns in that it may be one of the only, if not the only, all-Jewish town outside of Israel ever. The town was founded in the early 1800s. According to records, the first baby born there was born in 1813. Now, due to the whims of mapmakers or local politics or whatnot, Trockenbrod was often associated with a nearby location called Sofiofka, and to many locals they called the town by that name instead of Trockenbrod. Throughout the 19th century, Trockenbrod thrived. The land was not particularly useful or fertile for farming, and yet with proper drainage and some hard work, the farmers there managed to eke out a rural lifestyle. As the farming became more successful, other people began to seek out the town and move there. And as the town grew, so did the various trades and businesses that opened to serve the people of the town and the surrounding areas. In reading the book, it is vividly described that there was a great sense of community among the residents. If relatives of a family in the town came to visit, a lot of the town came out to celebrate, to honor the guests. The town residents celebrated the Sabbath and various holidays together, as sort of a communal event. There was good food and good cheer on each of these special occasions. The nearly 100-year history of the town is interrupted by the arrival of World War I. Trockenbrod found itself in contested lands between the German army on one side, under the Kaiser, and the Russian army on the other side, under the Tsar. As the town passed back and forth between the two armies, the townsfolk found themselves much better treated by the Germans than by the Russians. Because of this, it was to have a profound impact on the residents who remembered World War I some 20 years later, when the Germans came marching into town again in the 1940s. After the First World War, the town was pretty devastated, and it took quite a while for it to get back on its feet. A number of years went by while the villagers worked hard to reestablish their farms and businesses and to reestablish the trade that they had with the surrounding communities and towns in the area because of the shifting borders in the early part of the 20th century truckenbrod at times was in poland at times was in ukraine at times was in the soviet union the town just kept going on by the late 1930s, the town had reestablished itself as a local center of trade and commerce. In addition to the farms, the town boasted dozens of other types of businesses, including metalworking, an inn, a pharmacy, tailors, furniture makers, a hat maker, carpenters, butchers, a candy store, house builders, a beer house, and a barber shop, among others. Then, at the height of their success, at the height of their productivity, World War II arrived. When World War II started, Trockenbrode was part of the Soviet Union. When Germany broke the treaty that they had with the Soviet Union and decided to invade it, it wound up affecting the citizens of the town in 1942, when Germany overran it and took over. Because of the experiences during World War I, in which the townsfolk were better treated by the Germans than by the Russians, when the Soviet army retreated to the east, at the approach of the Nazis, most of the townsfolk decided to stay, in part because of these memories from 20 years earlier. The decision to stay was to prove fatal. One of the first things that the Nazis did when they took over Trokenbrod was to give license to the locals in the area who were envious or jealous of the success of the town to take what valuables or possessions that they saw fit and to shoot the people who disagreed or resisted with them. In this way, the Nazis employed the locals to do some of their dirty work for them. Now, by locals, I don't mean fellow townsfolk. I mean people from surrounding towns and villages. But for all the people who took advantage of this permissiveness on the part of the Nazis to plunder Trockenbrad, there was also those in the area who risked the lives of themselves and their families to house escapees from the town, or to help them on their way, or to provide food for them, shelter, clothing. Many acts of quiet heroism and bravery were conducted on behalf of the people of the town. Before the end of 1942 arrived, the Nazis, on three separate days, marched the residents of the town of Trochenbrad to a nearby pit and murdered them all. Up until the very end, the last day, the 3rd March, there were still people who thought that there would be a reprieve, that they would be allowed to continue, that they would live. But that was not to be. The author estimates that out of the over 6,000 people that were there at the beginning of 1942 when the Germans invaded the town of Trockenbrad, perhaps as many as 60 survived. Some escaped into the local forests and hid out there. Some escaped and joined the local resistance. Some managed to hike across country, make their way to Lithuania, and from there to other parts of the world. Some managed to make their way back into the Soviet Union. And there were those who had seen the writing on the wall in the late 30s and early 40s who managed to leave the town before the Nazis ever got there. All in all, though, 60 out of 6,000 is a horrifying statistic of survival. The book does cover these survivor stories as they make their way into the forest, into the Soviet Union, out of the country, and across the ocean. The author does provide us with first-hand accounts, actual transcriptions of people who were actually there, in their own words, telling their stories. One of the accounts transcribed in the book is from a woman named Basia Rochelle Potash. She escaped from Trockenbroad when she was 12. Eventually, she managed to make her way all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, where she married and raised a family. Her name in America was Betty Gold, and she wrote the other book that we refer to today. That book is called Beyond Trockenbroad, The Betty Gold Story. In Cleveland, Betty was a docent for the Maltz Museum on the east side. She passed away less than a year ago. If you finish The Heavens Are Empty book, which is a more general look at the town from beginning to end, and are interested in one person's particular story in detail, you'll find the Betty Gold story a compelling read. After the townsfolk were gone from trockenbrod the Nazis used the area as a farm for their army for about a year, But before that, they had dismantled every house and building in the town and burned the rest. The author continues on with the history of the area after the war, and how, even with the loss of the town, there is still a singular sense of community among the children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren of the residents of Trochenbrot who managed to escape. Even within the past few years, there are local organizations that honor the memory of the town and who get together regularly in support and commiseration. The author does provide some photographs, most of which he took himself, as well as an appendix containing other first-hand accounts, a glossary of Yiddish terms, and a chronology of the town history. He does not include an index. The author, in his initial visit in 1997, just to find out where his father had lived, turned a simple trip into an avocation that has benefited all of us who read this book. For in the end, the story of The Heavens Are Empty is not necessarily the story of the horrifying events of one particular year and the ending of a town, but rather a celebration of the life and the industry of the town and the people in it. Of one other note... The preface is written by Jonathan Safran Foer, who you may be familiar with as an author of fiction. It was actually Mr. Foer who got me interested in this story of the town of Trochenbrod originally through his novel Everything is Illuminated, which was later made into a movie. In very similar situations, the main character of that book travels to Ukraine to discover the lost town of Trochenbrod. If you're interested in rounding out some more depth in the story of this town, Pick Up, Everything is Illuminated by Jonathan saffron IV. We'll end here with a poem written by a resident of Trockenbroad, probably published in the local newspaper of Trockenbroad around 1939. The author is Yisrael Bider. Don't despair, my brother dear, if in the West day's end seems near. I beg hold fast these words of mine, after this darkness a light will shine. join us again next month and we'll take another look on nonfiction until then we'll see you at your nordonia hills branch library music by 20 riverside provided by mevio's music alley music.mevio.com thank you for listening